0: or wherever you listen.
1: Hi, I am a mom of two, a wife of one, and my question is going into this new year, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel just trying to do what I love, but also juggling being a mother, and I feel like there's no right answer and I'm so sick of the toxic positivity telling me I can do anything I dream of, when the reality is, as a mother of two very busy boys um, and a wife of a very busy husband, I can't do everything I want to do.
2: Welcome to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. So in 1982, Helen Curley Brown published a book called Having It All, Love, Success, Sex, and Money. It became a huge bestseller and an enduring cliché. Ever since, as we know, women have been trying to have it all and failing. Even Brown herself actually hated that title, but it's been really hard to shake. So today we're going to try to forcibly retire this idea and figure out, if we can't have it all, what can we have? What is possible in a society that, let's be honest, offers pretty threadbare support to working parents? Our listener, Janie from Arizona, who you just heard from, she carved out some time in her frenetic schedule to workshop this problem with us.
1: So I got married very young, about three months after I graduated high school. I had my son about two years later. You know, I went back to work when he was five weeks old and I was 19 and I had no idea how to take care of a baby, no idea how to have a full-time job as an adult. So I was divorced on my 22nd birthday and then I remarried about two and a half years later when I had my second son I had to go back to work when he was two weeks old and I feel like since they both were born I've never stopped.
2: Her sons are now five and twelve and by day Janie works as a pediatric occupational therapist and by night she's a ghostwriter for social media influencers
1: and a lot happens in between all of that. I wake up at about 5.30 and go for about a two-mile walk in the morning. I come home, get the kids ready for school, and make sure all their bags are packed for sports. So we pack all the bags, load them in the car so they're ready. Wait, when does breakfast happen? Do you eat breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't, I actually don't okay. Mostly out of convenience. I call it intermittent fasting so that I like feel healthy <laughs> like about it. Like it's intentional, it. right? But yeah, but really it's just survival. Okay. So you pack all the bags, you pack I, the kids. My younger son, his school starts earlier. I drop him off, take my older son to his junior high and then head to work till about three. And during that time, I'm also doing my social media. I'm doing billing for other occupational therapy jobs. I'm doing multiple things at once. From there, I will pick up my kids, drop them at home, and then I will go to my next occupational therapy job, which is home visits. And then from there, I'll pick the kids back up and we'll go to sports. Somewhere in there, I've cooked like a good meal for them. Like I put the pressure on myself that they have to have like a seated plated meal and then bath, shower, homework, younger son goes off to bed, and then the whole thing starts over again.
2: Now, you might be thinking right now, what about her husband? Why isn't he doing any of this? And we'll get to that, I promise. But before we do, it's worth mentioning that the pandemic has, of course, made this whole having it all racket even more impossible. Women were disproportionately affected in the labor market. At one point, when so many schools were closed, leaving families with no childcare, women's labor force participation rate actually dropped to levels not seen since the 1980s, back when Helen Gurley Brown was exhorting us to have it all. So Janie is right. This is a hamster wheel. And lately, it feels like it's rolling backwards,
3: which is why we brought in this week's expert. My name is Amy Westervelt. I am a journalist, I run a podcast company, and I wrote a book about balancing life and work and kids and how (laughs) it's impossible.
2: And now you have the answer. We're done.
1: It's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically.
2: (laughs) Amy's book is called Forget Having It All, How America Messed Up Motherhood and How to Fix It.
1: You have the quote, the like famous quote I've reposted 10 million times, right? Yes. Oh my yes. gosh, I didn't know it was going to be you. <laughs> I've literally posted that. I told my husband that I, I'm going to get it as like a lower back tattoo. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
4: <the gym>.
1: but Because <laughs> it's so true.
2: Amy's quote is this. We expect women to work like they don't have children and raise children as if they don't work. So kind of a big tattoo, but there's a lot of truth to it. On today's show, we're going to help Janie and anyone else who's raising a family and working multiple jobs and just needs a moment to themselves at the end of the day. Stay with us.
4: This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure.
0: In each episode, Kitty talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen.
2: Okay, let's start with the obvious. Where the heck is Janie's husband in all of this?
1: So, actually... He pitches in quite a bit. Like he does 100% of the laundry. I don't know many husbands mm-hmm, who do mm-hmm. that. And I am so grateful That's for awesome. that. However, my husband works in organ transplant. Mm. He's gone, you know, 12, 14 hours a day.
2: That's a bummer because it's also really hard to argue with. Like organ transplant. Right. I mean, what- <laughs> totally. right. Oh, <laughs> off-saving lives.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really uh, tough. Yeah. I mean, most weekends we're out of town with, lacrosse or hockey. And I don't really feel like I can ever catch my breath. Mm. It's worth mentioning here that
2: part of Janie's devotion to her older son and all of his athletic events comes from only getting to see him 50% of the time.
1: My ex-husband and I have joint custody of my oldest son and it's week on week off. Mm -hmm. And I did the math and realized I'm going to literally miss half of his childhood it killed me. And so I'm Mm -hmm. actually so grateful that he has these competitive sports because that's an opportunity for me to see him.
2: Mm. Yeah. So you feel a lot of pressure to, to be there.
1: Yes. I'm the mom that knows all his friends, middle names. I'm the mom (laughs) that like throws all the parties and has the sleepovers and I'm at all the sports things. And so For me to, like, actually say, hey, buddy, I need to take a break, it guts me. So you are really trying to have it all to be (laughs) the superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: basically. Yeah, and there's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself, which I understand.
3: Well, and it's so tough because I feel like the, um, the answer usually boils down to you figuring something out. This is an embarrassing story but it's too funny to not share. I um I was like so desperate for time to myself that I actually made up a whole conference that I had to go to. Um, it was a lie. It was a huge, <laughs> giant lie. That was so amazing. I I love this. I, love I this was story. like, it's in New Orleans. I have to go. It's three days. I'm speaking at it. I mean, it was an elaborate, elaborate ruse. Um, <laughs> and first of all, it was amazing. No regrets. Um, secondly... <laughs> I came home and sort of came clean to my husband and he was like, okay, if you're willing to go
1: to that extreme, Mm.
3: (laughs) let's figure out some kind of way that, um, that like, you know, we can just plan that into our schedule for you.
1: I have to share a similar story to your conference one, but mine is like very extreme. And so I, like I said, I practice occupational therapy and I heard about humanitarian trips in Ghana, Africa for occupational Mm -hmm. therapy. And of course I wanted to help the people of Ghana, but also I heard it was 14 (laughs) days away. (laughs) I was working 14 hours a day, showering out of a bucket, peeing in a hole in the ground. Like really what pulled me was the idea of 14 days alone, like without anyone needing me to get the cup of milk or to like cook the dinner.
2: Um, Ghana is a very far way to go. Um, yeah, to yeah. To get a break. <laughs> and yeah, so it was I,
1: pretty extreme.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. I wonder, it reminds me of a good friend of mine when her children were really little. She was driving them somewhere and she had a, a near miss, a near car accident. And she okay. remembers literally having the thought, you know what, a week in a hospital wouldn't be so oh, bad. Oh,
1: yeah. Isn't I've that terrible? And that she, of course, yes, she, you know, yes. she's obviously
2: immediately totally, felt terrible.
1: <laughs> I'm like, yes. yes that's totally when you know, like, or you're like, too busy. What can I do to get arrested but, like, then be proven innocent? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I frame myself or something?
2: <laughs> if that is not a red flashing light, I don't know what is. But it also leads us to our first insight. Our society clearly needs to do more to make mothering doable. We can't fix this on our own. And in the meantime, one thing overwhelmed parents can try, if at all possible, is to take a short, scheduled time out to try to figure out what matters most to them and then what they can give up. This is called a strategic absence, and it's actually backed up by research. My husband and I have a tradition we call a thinkation, where every couple of years, one of us will just go somewhere on their own just to think and take stock. Sometimes it's literally a hotel 45 minutes away, but that little bit of distance is so helpful.
3: We did actually work out this thing um, for a while where, like, maybe once a month or once a quarter, I would um, book an Airbnb just like down the road. I could still like meet up with them at, you know, like, if there was some kind of event or even come home for dinner and then go back to my Airbnb, <laughs> which oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I, it was amazing. Like a lot of my friends were kind of like, what's happening? Are you guys breaking up? And I was like, yeah. no, this is 100 percent like necessary to. This like, is a fr- marriage saver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is, it's actually great. Like Janie, Amy also has two boys, nine and six. So my second kid was a total surprise. In fact, at that point, my husband had lost his job and I was supporting us. I feel like whenever you're in that kind of a situation is also when, like, all of the expensive surprises happen, you know? So it's like my car broke down and then, like, we had to move suddenly because our landlord was selling the house that we were renting. And, you know, just things happened and um, I wound up... Yeah, really not being able to take more than the day I gave birth
1: Oh, my gosh. I actually
3: filed a story from the, like, you know, recovery room. And because my experience was that with my first kid, I told all of the people that I was working with that I was pregnant and that I was going to take. I took six weeks off. I lost, like, 50% of my income by doing that. So when the second one came along, because I was the sole income in our family, I was like, I can't risk it. Like, no one knew that I was even pregnant. So anyway, yeah, I I mean, this was kind of the genesis of the book I ended up writing was that I was, you know, sort of, like, walking to the mailbox to get a check and feeling sort of, like, pleased with myself that I had, you know, just had a baby and, no one even knew about it. And I hadn't, like, hadn't, you know, missed a beat. (laughs) I was like, that is so, what a messed up thing to be proud of, you know?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I just was telling someone in a very braggy way, like, I haven't had a day off work since March 13th, 2020. Like, I Mm -hmm. felt so proud of myself. And then, like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that is so gross. Like, why am I so, <laughs> I what? why but am I, kind I so of the proud culture. of that? Yeah. yeah, especially yeah, but the, now. This is
2: the piece of it that we can control, right? There's like, let's say 95% we cannot control. And it's the ego piece that I yes. think is worth highlighting. And I've done the same thing, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's so funny, because it is the culture we're living in. But Um, You know, I had a friend who did a book called Overwhelmed about the lack of leisure time. And she found out that I think it was Denmark that where women had the most free time. And so she went there and she was staying with a family and kind of following them around. And the husband was like head of the speaker's office in parliament or something. So like this really intense job. Wow! And he got home at five o'clock and she was like, how is this possible? And it turns out, well, if you're in the office after five o'clock there, people oh, kind gosh. of look down on you. Oh wow. Like what is your problem? Why can't you get right. it together?
4: Yes. Was this Bridget yeah.
2: Schulte
3: and her Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 I thought that was so interesting. Um that yeah, it was it was like, Oh, you're being inefficient, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right right and I think I think mothers yeah. you know so so here again we're these are things we can't control unless we can move to Denmark, which you know I'm not against but uh, <laughs> but anyway, in the right. meantime we also do it on parenting right like mm-hmm. you know mothers sort of subtly um, bragging subconsciously or consciously to each other mm-hmm. about, what they're doing and what they're, what they made for dinner and everything. I mean, you see this a lot, right, Janie, on social oh media. Oh my
3: gosh. Yeah. This is so interesting. Um, because so, like, I, I just have kind of always been a person who genuinely does not care what other people think of me. And I swear to God, it's like the best life skill. Um, if you can get <laughs> so it, you know, it's like actually prioritizing your kids means making sure that you are sane and if Mm -hmm. like what you need to feel like your life is working and is meaningful is you know just a little bit of time to yourself then um, setting and enforcing those boundaries is absolutely you being a good mom
1: When I took those two days off March 2020 my um, best friend died of breast cancer she was only 35 Oh. I had four little kids and I took two days off. That was it. To so just kind of mourn her. And at the end of the second day, one of the um, influencers, if you will, that I worked for texted me and said, you know, I think you'd feel better if you just started working again.
3: Oh my God. What an asshole. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. But I
1: like, uh, and, and I was like, well, I guess she's right. Instead of being like, no, actually I need some more time. It was like, well... I need to make money. I'm not being paid. You know, I only get paid if I work. It's contract mm-hmm. work. And mm-hmm. when my first marriage ended, it we lost our home. I foreclosed on a home. I mm. had thirty seven dollars in my bank account. Yeah, a car that didn't run. I was twenty two years old, and so it's like it's yep. me or no. It's me or no one. I have nothing. And mm-hmm. it's not that I don't trust. I love my husband. We're not getting divorced, ever hopefully, (laughs) but like, it's not that I think he's leaving me or whatever, but that I've been through that. I've had to do it all in every sense of the word. And I, I can't let myself be vulnerable enough Hmm. to open up that possibility again of losing everything.
3: I really, I think like, if you haven't been in a position where like, you know, You're having to distract your kids while your car's being, you know, repoed or like, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or like, Going up to the cash register at a grocery store, terrified that your card's not going to work,
4: and um, it doesn't work, and then so. it doesn't, and you have to It's yeah. like
3: it's really that is really really hard, and in this country in particular, absolutely terrifying because right. there is no safety there is no, net. No, no safety net. No, no. 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 I, I like, like France. I, no, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, there is nobody else. So, so I feel like. And, I mean, for me and for a lot of people I know who've been through that, I think there is very much this feeling of I can never allow that to happen again. Yeah. So I am also a person that has, like, multiple jobs. Oftentimes what people will say is something like, you know, something to the effect of, well, why don't you, like – take on fewer work projects or why don't you, you know, and it's a, there's a yeah. little, it's a little blamey, you know, <laughs> it's a little, yes. little bit like, why are you doing this to yourself? And okay, maybe there's some validity in that. But um, I think a lot of people, the big sort of societal assumption is that moms who are working are just doing it for a little bit of extra cash, right? which is not the reality for most people no. and hasn't been for decades. So it's extremely annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: When we come back, we'll talk about how to say no without feeling so guilty. And Amy will tell us about a time-tracking life hack that did wonders for her family.
0: Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone.
2: If you rely on how-to to help you manage your own hamster wheel, the best way to support this show is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Signing up for Slate Plus helps us help all the people you hear on our podcast every week. Because you know, our biggest complaint in our reviews is that people don't like hearing ads, which I totally get, and yet we still have to pay the rent. So. This is your best option. Members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast. You'll also get free and total access to Slate's website. Plus, you'll be supporting our important work. So I hope you'll join us if you can. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. Thanks. We're back with Amy Westervelt, author and podcaster, and our listener, Janie, who's a busy mom, occupational therapist, writer, and also hosts her own podcast in her spare time.
1: So it was called The F-Bomb Moms because our tagline used to be, we have it all together, we just forgot where we put it, which is kind of like story of my
2: life. (laughs) Um, Janie's real dream is to write her own book, but so far she's mostly been stuck ghostwriting social media posts for influencers.
1: I am writing birthday shout outs for 10 year old girls. I've never met like these, (laughs) these women's children, I'm writing their birthday posts. Like it's so ridiculous. And I know, so I know how fake it all is. I know that they have a team of people helping them who are, you know, curling their hair and picking out their outfits and running their kids around. I think that actually has helped me realize that you can't do it all because they just have a team of people to make them look like they're doing it all. People like me. So unless Janie clones herself, something's got to give.
3: But how can she figure out what? Luckily, Amy's husband
2: has a solution.
3: He's an expert in, like, the Japanese manufacturing method, so, like, the Toyota way and all of that stuff. And for years, he was like, we should apply this to our lives. And I was like, I'm a creative Your spreadsheets mean (laughs) nothing to me, you know, get them away. But eventually, um, actually, after we had our first kid, I finally was like, okay, fine, you know, let's do it. So, I mean, this we did a very extreme version where like for a year we tracked how we were spending our time and our money and how that equated to sort of overall life satisfaction. And it was really revealing because, A, it sort of immediately showed that I was doing, you know, the lion's share of housework. So we sort of fixed that imbalance. And then it also just showed, like, oh, I'm spending, you know, 100 percent of my work time on stuff that – you know, pays me, but that I find really unfulfilling. So, like, can I carve out, you know, an hour a week to work on stuff that I don't necessarily know what the financial outcome of it will be yet, but I can spare that hour? That ended up leading to me getting a ton more paid assignments on stuff that I did care about.
2: So if you can't take a thinkation... Try tracking your hours. That way you can start to see where there are gaps between what you care most about and how you're actually spending your time. If doing a spreadsheet feels totally overwhelming, then Amy has a nice invisible labor calculator on her website that we'll link to in the show notes. It shows how much you'd have to pay someone to do all the stuff you're already doing for free. It won't fix anything, but it is validating, and looking at it you start to realize how insane it is to think we can have it all.
3: What it sounds like to me, and def- please correct me if I'm wrong, is that, like, everything is kind of at the same level of priority right now. And that's yeah. really overwhelming when, like, you have a hundred things and it's all, you know. And unfortunately, the thing that people always say, and I think it's kind of true, is, like, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so one thing I've been thinking is, you know, because obviously occupational therapy that's like I went to school for that I don't want to give that up I love it I feel like that's a career I can you know hang my hat on and I just feel like I'm making a difference truly and it pays better than the other things too yeah yeah so I don't want to get rid of that but like maybe I just say I'm only doing the schools or like schools Mm. and clinics it would give me that pocket of like two hours of time
3: Yes. Um, do it. But it just Janie, comes back. It. To-
1: <laughs> it's so hard. And then it has, it's like the guilt never ends though, right? Because then it's like, okay, I've had these clients for six years since I like, see. so then
2: it, you feel guilty if you say yes. no to them.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've become their family. Like that's my baby. Like mm-hmm. I I remember
2: years ago I was really struggling with a lot of a lot of different um, people were asking me to do things professionally, which was great. And as a freelancer, right, you never want to say no, because you never know when it's going to come back. Um, And a friend of mine sent me this book called The Power of the Positive No. The basic summary was, since I know you don't have time to read it. So the basic (laughs) summary was, instead of just saying no to people, you say no but it's like with an offer. So you'll say, you know what, I can't make that work, but I have this great person who, you know, I think would be perfect for this job. And here she is, right? And it's a lot, it it helps kind of manage my own sense of guilt or or inadequacy that I'm letting them down or all these things we tell ourselves may or may not be true, right? But, and plus, then I'm helping the person who really does need that job uh, Mm -hmm. more than I do at that Mm -hmm. moment. And so, Um, so I've gotten a lot better at just remembering that it's like no and, you know, um, it's not just no.
3: It's important to remember that you aren't failing, the systems are failing you, and to try as much as possible not to like internalize and take on that personal Responsibility and guilt thing. Um, the the thing that I looked at in my book is is really kind of the history of how those expectations came about in the first place. And like the just to sum it up in one sentence, it's basically to keep women from being active in any other part of public life. So yeah. don't let them win. You have every right to, you know, have. An internal life of your own and a, a general life of your own. And at some point, those kids are going to grow up and leave the house. And and you don't want, you know, that to be, you know, <laughs> like um, a bomb going off in your yeah. life where you suddenly realize, oh, I put all these things on the shelf and now I don't know what to do with myself.
2: Yeah. No, that's so true. All of us have sons. And so what message are we sending, right? If yeah. if we're just driving ourselves into the ground. You know, sometimes I say to my son because I feel bad cuz I'm, you know, I'm going to go exercise or do something that doesn't involve him and I'll say to him and I'm really saying it to myself too, I'll say, "You know what? I'm going to be a much nicer person after I go running."
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I want him to grow up to be someone who is not uh, put off by women who live a full life. I don't know. I just wonder if that's a way to think of it, is like we are showing them what women and mothers should look like. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about how women can have it all, and I think the reality is neither can men in our society. Um, Correct.
1: Yes. You know, and think about,
2: Janie, your husband's, that's a long day, and I bet he's not (laughs) at a lot of those games, right, and things that he would like to do.
3: I think that that's huge. Um, I, I think there's been this really weird um, idea that having to work all the time is somehow a win um, for for men. And, and the reality is that in the last 30 or 40 years, as um, the expectation has increased for men to be more involved parents and as men themselves have, you know, kind of said, hey, like, I I actually like being a father. It's not, you know, it's something I would like to spend time doing too. Um, there's been huge pushback in the workplace against that and socially and culturally too. In general, I think our society doesn't value caregiving no matter what the gender of the person who's doing it. I wonder,
2: has any of this, Jamie, as we start to wrap up here, uh-huh. is there anything we've talked about that you think you might actually be able to do realistically?
1: I mean, there's several things. (laughs) For one, I just feel like this conversation gave me more than anything, the permission to do what I need to do to put myself first. Yeah. I'm a personal development junkie. Like I can't even possibly explain that enough. Like how many books I've read about being present or how to use your time better or whatever. And none of it told me or made me feel like Yes, Janie, go ahead, cut the cord, do the things. But just being able to hear from, you know, two women in the same position, how they've done it and that it is possible. It, I just feel like I have everything I need now to say to my kids and my husband and to my clients and my work, like, Hey, this is too much for me and I need to cut back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, instead of thinking me, it's really for us. Right. right. 100%. And like, I'm thinking
1: about specifically this sleepover. They were having this great time and I had to leave because I was so burnt out. Like I had to walk mm. away. They were doing nothing wrong, nothing. And I could just feel my, you know, blood pressure rising. Like I was going to snap for them just playing.
3: Yeah. And
1: that comes from a point of just too much, like too much trying to, you know, I had just made them like, browns to bacon and like try to make this great meal and be like super mom like I can't I want I mean, you to come be my mom this
2: sounds amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> I remember this Halloween I just worked so hard to make everything great and then I went and took my son's friend home and I got home and my son wasn't in bed and the next day was a school day and it was just the last straw and mm-hmm. I just started yelling at him and he was in the shower and and he just started crying. And I just was like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? You know, it's like there's a cost. There's a price to pay for all of this. And it just builds and builds. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to to say I, I hear you and I, I struggle with it as well. I think everybody does. And I'm just really glad that we had a chance to talk honestly about it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Jeannie, if you want, I do have like a... um Uh, like formatted spreadsheet for like time data gathering that I'm happy to send you. I (laughs) would
1: love that. I would absolutely love that. Okay.
2: Thank you to Janie for being so excited about getting a spreadsheet and for sharing her story with us. We'll link to her podcast now called The Mama Log in the show notes. And thank you to Amy Westervelt for all her great advice and her magic spreadsheet. Amy's book is called Forget Having It All, How America Messed Up Motherhood and How to Fix It. And her award-winning podcast about climate change is called Drilled. Check it out. And how about everyone else? Are you feeling overwhelmed by something? Send us a note at at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And we'd love to have you on the show. And if you find our show helpful, give us a rating in Apple or Spotify. And better yet, share our podcast with a friend. That way, we can help even more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Special thanks to Amber Smith. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. And now back to The Hamster Wheel.